You're listening to The Happy Hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez-Cleary, sponsored by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick and Rico hanging out with you guys. Nebraska guts out a win, 14-13, on Saturday against Rutgers. 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Sarder Heyman text line. Both those open for you guys the entire show today. Um, we'll, we got plenty of stuff to talk about, but right now we're joined by our Monday guest, Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. Steve, how was uh, Piscataway? Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. Piscataway was um, interesting. It was it was a busy. They they drive a lot faster than I do in tight quarters. Oh, interesting. Um, here in Lincoln, so um, yeah, it was just a different pace and everything. But it was cool to go out there on the East Coast. I had never been out there, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. I, I really enjoyed the game. First two questions for you. I, I have just these are mm-hmm. very important. First off, is Timmy Trumpet ruined for you? And was it an actual sellout? Okay, so Timmy Trumpet, that has been all the rage um, at, at college uh, football games, hasn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. It, it, it's a cool thing that I think was really cool but, um, before everybody started using it, then it was just kind of overkill mm-hmm. in my opinion. If, it, if we had just heard it, you know, here and there every once in a while, um, that would have been cool. But, yeah, uh, you know, RIP to Timmy Trumpet. We'll have to we'll have to wait till next year yeah, for the dead. next new thing. <laughs> um, as for the sellout, I, I don't know how many tickets were sold. Um, They're calling it, Rutgers was calling it a sellout. But um, butts in the seats-wise, it was not a sellout at all. So um, I was kind of disappointed. I was expecting a packed house, but it was absolutely not a packed house. Mm-hmm. Funny story with that. I was on the sideline pregame. I'm just kind of watching Nebraska warm up, and a, and a gentleman, an older gentleman, who said that he had played for Rutgers back in the day, um, was talking about the the upcoming match, and and I said, you know, I'm I'm planning on a on a good atmosphere here tonight, and he said, I don't think you're going to get that. The Mets are hosting the Padres, uh, so in the MLS playoffs, so, uh, maybe that had something to do with it. That's funny. All right, we're talking about uh, talking to Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska here on the Happy Hour. Let, let's get to the game a little bit here. Nebraska shuts out their opponent for the second straight week in the second half. I mean, how important and how much did you learn about this team in in a fourteen to thirteen game that necessarily wasn't pretty, but we didn't think it would be you know all that sexy going into it, but they gutted it out and they got the job done. I mean, how much did you learn from from the performance on Saturday? Yeah, it was really good to see the defense gain just more confidence every single game, like since the new regime has taken over with. Mickey Joseph and, and Bill Bush on the defensive side. It's just really good to see them um, get these shutouts in the second half and just completely, you know, own own the opposing offense for for the final two quarters of the game. That's exactly how you want to draw it up, I guess. When you're when you're talking coaching, is just how do you finish the games? And and right now, Nebraska's defense is finishing the games. Now, I will say, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here or anything, but you know, when you look at Indiana and when you look at Rutgers, I don't see. Those two teams being near the top of the conference, I, I think it's going to be the opposite at the end of the year. At the end of the year, when it's all said and done, I think those are going to be um, maybe two of the worst teams in the conference. But still, that does not take away from 
the positive momentum and the positive vibes and the confidence that that is gained from just picking up two wins. Mm-hmm. Now that just you know after saying that it, it it just puts this Purdue game on such another level in my opinion. Uh, Purdue can can score the football. They can toss the football around with a six year quarterback in Aiden O'Connell. They can't really run the football, but Purdue never really wants to run the football anyway. So uh, this this upcoming uh, game at Purdue is is going to tell us a lot more than I think the Indiana and Rutgers um, games have. Okay, so speaking about uh, throwing the ball in Nebraska defending the pass, there were, one of the changes at depth chart this week was that Malcolm Hartzog switched from a co-starter with Tommy Hill to the lone starter um, at the cornerback position opposite Quentin Newsom. Tommy Hill's nowhere on the depth chart other than kick returner. He's the starting kick returner. Um, and, and we know that we saw videos of him working with some of the wide receivers last Saturday. I mean, what's the what's the deal with Tommy Hill? Do we have an idea of how Nebraska wants to use him going forward, or, or has the ship kind of sailed on a guy like Tommy Hill? Man, what a fall from grace, unfortunately, yeah. for Tommy Hill. I mean, he was I mean, we all remember the things that Travis Fisher was saying about uh, Tommy Hill's potential. But now, yeah, I mean, I was, like I said before, I was on the field during pregame warmups, and all of a sudden I see Tommy Hill out there catching passes with the receivers and drills. And I'm like, wait, what? I had to do a double take. I'm like, what are you doing, Tommy? But, uh, um, yeah, and if you look at the online roster, he is not listed as a corner anymore. He is listed as a receiver, and he's wearing number two instead of his original number zero. And, you know, that's that's another interesting factor because Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, the yeah. receiver from New Mexico State, uh, Don's number two as well, and he hasn't been on the field the past two games. I saw him um, on the bench um, against Indiana during pregame warm-ups, and he wasn't playing, and then he I didn't see him at all um, at Rutgers. So um, just Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda is going to be a name to keep an eye on, and we'll have to ask um, what his status with the what the program is uh, tomorrow when he gets to talk to Mickey Joseph. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you're talking um, Tommy Hill, the athleticism is still there. Maybe he's just a, a young guy. He's only in his second year of college football. Maybe he's just trying to find the perfect spot for him. And, you know, if, if you lose, possibly lose a receiver like Garcia Castaneda, maybe, maybe, you know, Tommy Hill, who mm-hmm. played receiver in high school, who's a really good athlete. Maybe you just try him at receiver and, and see if it sticks. So uh, yeah, those, those, that was an interesting development, I'd have to say, for the depth chart release today. We're speaking with Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska, the Nebraska Rivals site. Uh, Steve, you know, we, we obviously saw Anthony Grant kind of getting beat up a little bit against Rutgers, a lot of bit. Uh, but the the surprise, at least for me, the second running back off the bench was was Jacquez Yant. Uh, didn't really see much of Gabe Irvin. Is is there anything to that? Yeah, I was uh, right along with you, Rico. I was surprised that it was Yant and not uh, Gabe Irvin. Um, just looking at the sideline during the game, I saw Gabe there. He was, you know, very active with his teammates. He was um, look, just looking completely fine. So, you know, that's, I don't know. It's just one of those things that keeps popping up is the rotation um, issues with, with this uh, football program. Um, I, I I honestly don't know what to say. I think uh, Jock, Jock Yant um, can do some things well, but I think, you know, when you look at a guy like Gabe Irvin Jr., He's kind of the whole package. He's fast. He's big. He's strong. He's athletic. He's a great kid. Um, so when when he's getting passed up for for carries, I'm wondering what what the issue is there. You know, it's it's just something that the you can look at the odd running back rotation last year, and then it's kind of creeping into, and there's another odd rotation this year. So um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you guys. I I was expecting more Gabe Irvin than we got for sure. 
an, another game, another time seeing Casey Thompson on the turf a lot, writhing in pain for a couple a, a couple seconds. Uh, the offensive line is is being talked about by everybody week in and week out. There's got to be something they can do with that. Uh, I, I, all right. Oh man, I wish I had a better answer, Rico. I, I don't know. I, I just go back to the options. How many options does Nebraska's offensive line have um, that that are better than the guys that are out there right now? And I just mm-hmm. don't. I just don't see many. Maybe, uh, maybe Brant Banks can get a can get a look at left tackle, and, and maybe you move move a guy like Turner Corcoran inside. Um, but I don't. I don't know what to tell you. Um, maybe there's. I think we're going to see a lot more Hunter Anthony now. He didn't start the game against Rutgers at right tackle, but he played nearly the entire um, game at, against the Scarlet Knights for Bryce Benhart. So maybe that's a change. Maybe it has an effect. But, you know, everywhere you look, I, I just don't – this offensive line just isn't clicking right now. And it's at, at times it's getting dangerous for, for Casey Thompson. And you wonder, you know, we, we, we know everything we know about uh, Casey Thompson and his toughness. He's a super tough kid. He's getting up. He's taking shots, so many shots this season a couple to the chin um and he gets up every time but you you just kind of you know it, it it looks bad when when he's taking these hits and you, you just ask yourself is he going to get get up from this one is he going to get up from this one um you know which which sucks because casey's a great kid and you know he's, he's taking a beating for sure i just don't know um, where where you look and how you fix this offensive line situation. We're joined by Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. A couple more before we get to your your flavor of the week, Steve. Um, when you look at that, I mean, offensive line, why isn't it working? Is it the the whole like Donovan Riola comes from schemes that are more run heavy, and Nebraska's obviously a, a, a passing team with a guy like Mark Whipple calling the shots. Is it that? Is it coaching? Is it lack of attention in the recent off seasons? Like what? What is the? What's the the big reason why they are struggling so much? And then, I mean, what's how soon can they fix it? Is this a thing that they can fix in the off season with just a couple transfers, or is this going to be a thing where over the next couple years, whatever staff is here, they're going to have to focus pretty heavily on on getting some more bodies in that room? Yeah, I think it just goes back to the the recruiting and identifying the talent and then developing that talent. Um, it's obviously not where it needs to be. And, and, you know, it's been like this for a while. You've seen a lot of guys go off to the NFL and kind of get better. Um, And Mm -hmm. they're just not getting better right now at Nebraska, which, which, you know, it's, it's tough to watch kind of, but um, yeah, I don't, I I would like to say it's coaching, but again, Donovan Rael is in a tough spot. It's in his first year here. Um, And, you know, he he walked into kind of a messy situation with the whole uh, frost situation. But Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, Again, I have no answers for you guys. It, it's I, I would like to say it's coaching, but then you know, coaching is identifying talent too, and, and bringing bringing the right kids into the program, and then yeah. you know, working them and getting them reps and making sure they improve. But you know, it, it hasn't looked it hasn't looked like that at all. I mean, Bryce Benhart was a high four star commit from Minnesota, but you know, his career has not gone how how he wanted. Um, Turner Corker and another four high four star guy. Um, again, he's, he was kind of put into the fire early as a true freshman and played early, um, which isn't usually a great thing for offensive linemen in the Big Ten. Usually it's the fourth and fifth year, sixth year guys who get in there and are really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ethan Piper, a small-town kid from, from Nebraska, from Norfolk Catholic, you know, burst onto the scene in, in 2020, I believe, but then he lost his job, and now he's back. 
Um, you know, at Brock Bando, it's, he's, he's a first-time starter, and it's his sixth year already. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think identifying the talent needs to be better and, and more importantly, developing the talent and, and keeping them in the program for three or four years before they even sniff playing time. Yeah. All right, Steve, it's time for the Flavor of the Week. We'll play Rico's Jingle, and then uh, we'll, we'll get your, your Flavor of the Week here uh, for, for this week. So here we go. Trev Alberts, he don't know anything about him. He might win here. Have no fear. I wish that I could make him see. He's just the flavor of the week. All right. Every time. I always forget about that. All right, Steve. Uh, what is the flavor of the week for Mr. Mark this week? Well, it's got to be the brand new flavor of Matt Rule. <laughs> How about that? All right, break yeah, it down for us. Rocky so, Road. Yeah, fired, fired in his third season of the Carolina Panthers head coach. Um, you know, only five games in, and he's one and four. Just obviously, you know, I, I look at Matt Rule, and I and I know what he did at Temple, and I know what he, what he did at Baylor. Um, those are really impressive things. But sometimes, you know, coaches just want to see if, if see if that can translate, see if they can translate to the NFL. And obviously, Matt Rule is just not one of those guys. I don't think. I think he's a college football coach through and through. And you know what? What you like about him is he's gone into some bad situations with Temple and Baylor, and just you know, everybody talks about the program builder um, mold that Trev Albers looks. And in my opinion, Matt Rule fits that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, when he took over Temple, they were four and seven, I believe, under Steve Adazio and. 2012 you know he had a rough first year at temple at two and ten um but then the next three seasons he went 26 and 13 combined and then in the final two seasons at temple he went 20 and seven and then uh won the first conference championship in um temple history since uh 1967 so um he did really great things at temple and and showed that he could build a program at the g5 level but then he went to the power five level at baylor and we all we don't have to go through, you know, what the situation was like at Baylor with our brows and everything. And he took over for Jim Grobe, who was only there for, for one season and went seven and six. But then his first season, um, um, Rule's first season at Baylor, he went one and 11, just really bad. But, you know, it's kind of hard to blame him with everything that was going on at that program. And then his second season, you know, they were starting to see some success. They had a winning record, seven and six. And then in his final season with the Bears, 11-3, and three, and that's that Sugar Bowl appearance. And, you know, again, that's the third year, and he's already hitting a double-digit mark. So, you know, you look at Matt Rule and what he's shown at the G5 level and at the Power 5 level, there's a lot there to like. So I, so I understand why he would be looked at for a candidate for sure. All right, Matt Rule, there it is. All right, Steve, hey, appreciate the time as always, Steve. I will uh, see you tomorrow at the press conferences, and we'll, we'll definitely talk to you next Monday. Absolutely. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Rico. That is Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. Appreciate his time as always. We will get to break. When we come back, we'll talk a little more baseball um, because there was a wild game between the Blue Jays and the Mariners. And that that's a wild game. George Springer and Bo Bichette collided. Um, I don't know if you saw that, Rico. I did. It looked painful. Yeah, it looked painful. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll also kind of put a bow on some Nebraska football discussion, uh, bring in Nathan for the crossover as well, get you ready for On the Block with Stricken Nate coming up next on a Monday on the Happy Hour. 
Download our app by searching 93.7 a ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 the ticket and the ticketfm.com. Guys, are you worried that you're losing your hair? Do you look in the mirror and see less hair looking back at you? Maybe you're thinking, it's cool, I'll shave it. Or I'll just wear a hat from now on. Or maybe even, I'll just break the bank to get plugs. But before you shave, hide, or replace your hair, have you thought about regrowing it? Because there are effective, FDA-approved treatments that work. One is a prescription clinically proven to prevent further loss. The other is clinically proven to regrow your hair in two to four months. And both are available from Roman for just a dollar a day. Just complete a free online visit. Roman connects you to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional who will work with you to find the best treatment plan. Then Roman sends everything you need right to your door with free shipping and indiscreet packaging. Not just once, but every month. So guys, are you Roman ready for a thicker, fuller head of hair? Go to roco slash regrow. Do it today, and Roman will give you 20% off your first order. That's ro.co slash regrow.